telepractice or telehealth is important for so many people with ALS because uh, it provides the opportunity for people who are homebound or people who live uh, remotely to receive equivalent services to people who are able to get into clinics all the time. Hey, everybody, and thanks for giving a listen to this episode of Connecting ALS, a reminder that you can find and follow us pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. My name is Mike Stevenson, and I'm here with my co-host, Jeremy Holden, back from a brief but much-deserved stint away from the office. Welcome back, sir. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's good to be back. I'm refreshed and ready to go and back just in time for a critically important conversation that I'm excited to bring to our listeners this week. Yeah, for this week, we lined up speech-language pathologist Amy Roman out of San Francisco to talk to us about some important additions to service coding at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Yeah, Mike, these new coding changes over at CMS critically important for people with ALS as service providers are now able to expand offerings available for telehealth. It's been a consistent message from our guests, as you said, over the past year, telehealth being a big part of the future in medicine. And it was good to get an SLP's perspective on what's coming from Amy Roman. So let's go ahead and listen to that conversation now. We are fortunate to be joined today by Amy Roman, a speech language pathologist from the Forbes Norris ALS Research and Treatment Center at California Pacific Medical Center in San Francisco. Amy, thanks for being with us and welcome to Connecting ALS. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We've been wanting to talk to you about your involvement in recent changes to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services coding process. Codes that will allow five separate services related to speech and swallowing to be covered under the CMS for telehealth visits. Talk to us, Amy, about why this is a critical step for the ALS community. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is something that I've been interested in expanding Medicare coverage for quite some time, even quite a bit uh, of time before this pandemic. And what we're looking at is telepractice or telehealth is important for so many people with ALS because Uh, It provides the opportunity for people who are homebound or people who live uh, remotely to receive equivalent services to people who are able to get into clinics all the time. So in order, for example, to get a speech generating device, people need to have an evaluation by a speech language pathologist. And it's always ideal if they can have an evaluation by someone who specializes in augmentative alternative communication. And I can go into, if you'd like me to, a little bit more about what that is, because it's very relevant for people with ALS. But most of the people who provide these services are specialists who are located in urban centers. And so for many patients that I've worked with over the years, you know, initially I'd travel sometimes three hours to get to someone's house so I could do one of these evaluations. And then as the years went by, I started doing the telepractice or telehealth evaluations for people, having the vendor go into the home with speech generating devices, having multiple vendors go in. And um, the evaluations went really, really well. And I can talk a little bit about why, but some of the other codes, um, well, let's go back a little bit. So 
Speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, these are all codes that were not able to be provided um, or the, the speech therapy codes and physical therapy codes, occupational co therapy codes, were not able to be provided through telehealth. Mm. Only physicians were able to bill through telehealth. So patients were not able to have the services that they required if they were not able to get into a clinic. So in Medicare did expand service during this public health emergency uh, back in, that would be April of 2020, they expanded services to include the allied health professionals, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. And we all know that those are important for people with ALS, important services. But they excluded specific codes, which, you know, I, I was thrilled for about half an hour to see that, that they had expanded those services early in the pandemic. And then I did a little, dug a little deeper and saw that the codes that the people I worked with, with ALS, most needed were being excluded. Uh, mm. And that was a shock. And those included codes for assistance with um, swallowing to, to teach strategies for, for swallowing to avoid, you know, choking to meet your nutrition and hydration needs to avoid aspiration pneumonia. These are all things that could, and I have been providing very easily through telepractice for people, but they, that was an excluded code as were all the codes for speech generating device treatment and evaluation. Mm. So, you know, that was just a, a huge barrier. We were, we were shocked to see that they, these codes were excluded and no real reason was given. Um, so we started, you know, just, uh, I, you know, contacted the ALS association and the American speech and hearing association. And we started the process of contacting legislators and people at the centers for Medicare and Medicaid services and talking to them about, you know, these sending them all kinds of information for why these services should be included in their coverage. And then in March of this year, out of kind of the blue, uh, we saw that they, they were now being covered. So we're not quite sure what we did or what did the trick for this, but um, they are being covered until the end of the public health emergency. So the moment the, um, this is not considered a public, COVID-19 isn't a public health emergency, we go back to where we were before. And these are not covered codes. Yeah, and I want to get into the fights to come after uh, the, the public health emergency wraps up. I, I have a kind of simple question, I guess, for, for folks listening at home who are, are the recipients of care, recipients of a telehealth visit, what is the importance of a code? How, how does that work? Why, why, do, why do you need these codes to be approved, provided, made available? Sure, sure. So Medicare has, a uh, for each profession, there are certain codes that are covered codes, meaning Medicare will pay for it. And uh, so the particular codes that we're talking about, again, are for services for swallowing, difficulties, communication, speech generating device services like the evaluation for a speech generating device and the treatment for receiving um, training on how to use a speech generating device. So if these codes are not covered, then they can't be provided basically. 
And the reason that um, Medicare is so important is because for people with ALS, most people with ALS, even under the age of 65, do qualify for Medicare, which many people don't know. Um, and that's important to know because that's an important benefit. And so that's, that's one key reason that almost all the people I work with who have ALS have Medicare. But another one is even those who don't have Medicare, most insurance follows Medicare's lead. Mm-hmm. So Medicare will say, oh, okay, we will cover um, a speech generating device evaluation provided through telepractice to through telehealth. We will, we will pay for that. Then, you know, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, all of the others will typically follow Medicare's lead. So Medicare is very important. That's a really good note, Amy. They do kind of set that standard that others will follow. So that's why it's so significant that they are willing to cover these codes. You mentioned earlier, Amy, that these changes came together in part thanks to collaboration between the ALS Association and the American Speech Language Hearing Association. Can you give us a little more background on on when you started to think, okay, knowing that these codes aren't covered back in the beginning of the pandemic, who do I reach out to? Who do I talk to about getting this effort started so that we might see some change? Yeah, well, I was already working with the ALS Association on um, some research that I'm doing. Um, I started in 2018, realizing that, you know, frankly, I was getting burned out driving three hours to see a patient to do an evaluation. And I was having great success doing these evaluations through telehealth. The vendors for the different augmentative alternative communication devices would come in to the homes for the people. And I would connect via teleconferencing. And uh, we were reaching people that just were going to be left out of this process. If you don't have an evaluation by a licensed speech language pathologist, you cannot receive this durable medical equipment through insurance or any, uh, through Medicare or any insurance. So, you know, people were really being excluded from getting the services and the equipment they needed. So uh, I started a study, and so I've been very, very interested in telepractice and wondering if it would be effective. And what my study shows is that it is feasible. We can meet the Medicare requirements and guidelines to get someone the durable medical equipment or speech-generating device that they need. And also, the participants in the study were very pleased with the services. They were um, people with ALS and their care and a primary caregiver. And um, across the board, they were really thrilled to receive the services in their home where they would be using this equipment. In a lot of ways, it made more sense to do the evaluation there than to go out to some clinic. And by the, you know, the, for many people, by the time you get to clinic, I'm sure many people will relate to this. You're, you're, kind of exhausted, you know, just getting ready to get into that transport, whatever system that you're using to get there is often a big effort. The ride can be stressful and you get in and then you find out that I want to show you multiple speech generating devices so that you really can compare and contrast. And and then it's going to take a number of visits for me to get you trained properly to use this. So it just it's a nice option to have the, the telehealth option for, for people with ALS. So by, by the time COVID uh, rolled around, I was already 
I had already been doing some of these evaluations for people. I was confident that we could do them well. And I had already started this study and was really halfway through my study already. So, you know, for me, it was immediately, I just thought, I've got to bring it to the attention of the ALS Association and the American Speech and Hearing Association, because they might not even, you know, realize that this is an issue for our patients. And I, to me, it's such a primary issue. Communication is a must. And if anyone be excluded from that, you know, we have to do something about it. Yeah. And Amy, you, you talked earlier about the time limit on these codes and on the expanded access to telehealth expected to go through the end of the public health crisis. Now, the ALS Association has done some work uh, lobbying to make that access permanent. But can you talk a little bit about what folks can do to try, like, how do we keep what has been granted to public health officials to continue to engage in telehealth on the other side of the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. It's going to take, uh, you know, lobbying. And that's why I reached out to the ALS Association initially, too. You know, we need to talk. We need to get some legislators who want to kind of take this in as a, as a, as a cause for them and recognize why telepractice and telehealth is so important for some populations not just people with ALS, of course, but, you know, anyone with mobility issues, with endurance issues, they should be able to get speech therapy, physical therapy, you know, any of those services in the home through telehealth. So often what we were doing is training the partners how to do what needs to be done to training communication partners. So I can say for physical therapy, for example, you know, training them how to go through maybe a, a stretch routine to keep someone's um, mobility, that would be important. And that could be done via telehealth. And as professionals, we need to determine ourselves what we can and what we can't do through telehealth. And once we determine that we're able to do it, we should be able to be reimbursed for that. And people should be able to receive those services. Yeah, we, we've talked about with a number of guests this past year, Amy, about how, you know, one of the few silver linings to come out of this, uh, you know, extremely difficult time during the global pandemic has been the rapid advancement of telehealth technology and access to those kind of things. Are you hearing feedback from some of the folks that you work with living with ALS and other populations that they too hope that this will be the norm and that they're optimistic that that may happen so that if they do have mobility challenges or great commutes to deal with, that this uh, can benefit them? Yeah. Yeah. In the study that, that I just completed, all of the participants wanted to continue receiving their speech generating device services through telehealth. And they all said they hope this is something that can be continued. At this point though, we do need to go through legislation because this was an emergency act that Medicare was able to do, but it will end. And then we need to put make this permanent. So we do need to contact our legislators and work on getting the speech generating device, the swallowing, all of the speech language, therapy codes covered when they're rendered through telehealth. Yeah, and expanded access to telehealth uh, remains a top priority for the ALS Association's public policy team. We can share some information about that in the show notes. Thank you again for your time today, Amy, and for all of your work in helping bring these important services and coverage to families living with ALS. 
Oh, my pleasure. And I hope everyone pays attention to the uh, legislation going forward to um, hopefully eliminate this barrier to people with ALS for these important services and durable medical equipment. So I hope that we are successful. Absolutely. Thanks for your time. You know, Mike, hearing this conversation with Amy Rosen reminds me of why uh, the public policy team at the ALS Association has made expanded access to telehealth such an important priority for 2021. That fight continues throughout the year. Uh, We'll share some uh, information in the show notes about how listeners can engage. Absolutely. That will wrap up Connecting ALS for the week. As Jeremy mentioned, we will put links to the blog post and other information that cover today's topic in the show notes. In the meantime, be sure to give us a follow on Facebook and Twitter for all of the latest content and subscribe or follow your favorite podcast service to make sure that you don't miss our weekly show. This episode was produced by Garrett Tiedemann of the ALS Association's Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota chapter. Thank you all for listening and we will connect with you again soon. 